Amen. Once again, we're in our study, World Religions, Cults, and the Occult. Pastor Bobby, it's number 13 what? And that's right, Jim, where are you at? You're trying to hide, but I see you. The question is, can you see the board? What's the tagline? Hey, give it up for Jim. He worked all day long memorizing that, and he got it right. That's right. Hey, by way of recap, we've already seen with our intro, it's a disclaimer. We're not saying everybody who's a charismatic is involved in the occult or the occult, but so much is going on, especially what we're going to see tonight. Who said that? Uh, uh, it's getting pretty bad out there, okay? Then we saw the movement itself as nothing new. You know, that's the phraseology. It's the last days, spirit of God moving in the mighty way. No, it's old-fashioned Montanism. Been dealing with that for since the early church. The gibberish aspect, not even the genuine gift of tongues when it was in existence. That's nothing new. That's going on in the occults and Hinduism and New Age and things of that nature. Then we dealt with a big, giant study on spiritual gifts. And basically, the rub is this. We believe that uh, some are permanent, but some are temporary. They're no longer in function. Charismatics would say, no, they're all in function. And that's where you get into a lot of problems because it leads to going outside the Bible, okay, is the biggest problem there. Then we've been taking a look at the aberrant behavior of the charismatic community. We saw in the phrase, slain in the spirit. We had a whole study on that. And then a whole study on drunk in the spirit slash holy laughter, that kind of thing. And then last time we dealt with the issue, well, wait a second, invariably you're going to have people say, uh, okay, maybe I can't find it in the Bible and I can't truly justify it from the Bible. And uh, the, the, but, but you don't understand. I, I, I felt something. You, know? you, you can't say that that was not a spiritual experience. Well, again, I'm not saying you didn't have a, quote, spiritual experience. It doesn't mean it's from God, right? And we saw that either typically what you're dealing with these two first, and we're going to continue on tonight in the same vein, aberrant behaviors, it's either flat-out chicanery, it's learned behavior slash peer pressure that you better fall down so everybody else is, you know. Or we saw if you really are experiencing a, quote, spiritual thing, it is a kundalini spirit. In other words, this is straight out of Hinduism. Why? Because once again, we've been seeing a pattern that most, and that's why it's, the tagline is this, the untold history of the charismatic movement. I am convinced that many charismatics don't even know their own history. And when you take a look at their history, we'll see it again tonight, Lord willing, is it is their founders got a lot of their beliefs straight out of New Age and straight out of Hinduism. Okay? And Hinduism... Uh, verbatim, all these things, the jerking, all this movement, and uncontrollable laughter, and shock, and electricity, all that. Hindus have been doing it for a long time, right? The founders did it, and what they did is they slapped Christianese on it to make it sound like, no, this is the Spirit of God. No, it's not, okay? It cannot be justified in the Scripture, and by the way, we know it's not the Spirit of God because God's Spirit does not contradict Himself. He does not contradict His Word. He's not going to ask us to do something sinful, and call it spiritual. That's a contradiction. God doesn't do that, number one. But number two, uh, as we saw, God tells us to what? What was the passage? Test the spirits. We have the right to ask, is this right? Is it biblical, right? We're not just being old fuddy-duddies. We are charged by God's word, put the thing to the test. Why? Because he tells us that there's going to be people coming along saying, this is the spirit of God, and it's not. You need to test it according to the word. That's what we did. Now we're going to move forward, because we want, before we continue, they just, that usually seems to be the, 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 the problem. They say, well, no, you don't understand, because I felt something, whatever. So we answered that, hopefully. But let's move on to the third aberrant behavior we talked about. We left off last time. That's right, the incredible aberrant behavior practice, the thing that apparently you and I are missing out on. Okay, and it's called grave sucking, right? Grave sucking. Now, it's also going by the name of grave soaking, as if that makes it better, or mantle grabbing. Okay, so take your pick. It's all the same practice, right? But uh, you're going, well, what in the world is this? Well, let me describe it to you. This is the act of lying across a physical grave of a deceased preacher or evangelist for the purpose of, listen, pulling out the power of the Holy Spirit, a power that was, listen, purportedly trapped within the body upon the person's death is the Holy Spirit, who, by the way, is God, is he stuck in holes around the planet? Going, help me, help me, help, I'm stuck, I'm stuck, I need someone to come over here, I'm stuck, because that, that's the premise. Now, that's ridiculous, but that's the premise, that the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit is stuck underground in these dead people's bodies, and these guys got to suck it up. Kids, you not, right? The aberrant practice, and that's their words, not mine, but it matches mine, the aberrant practice of grave sucking was initiative by the, obviously, the charismatic movement, word of faith teachings, etc. And it's an amalgamation of what's supposed to be Christianity, but it's not, and mysticism. 
uh, you know, as we've been seeing. Videos and images across the internet show grave suckers kneeling at or lying across the grave plots or gravestones of famous figures such as C.S. Lewis or Charles Finney in the hopes of grabbing the, quote, abandoned spiritual mantle or soaking up the anointing like a sponge. Right? Sounds crazy, but folks, this is another thing. This is why we're dealing with this aspect. What in the world's going on? Oh, by the way, the lost are watching this. And this doesn't help our cause to share about Jesus, okay? But here is grave sucking in action. Let's take a look. Now, there's no doubt that Bill Johnson is one of the most influential figures in the charismatic world today. But what really concerns us is what's going on behind the scenes at Bethel. This is what a bunch of drunk Bethel students look like. All of this footage comes from within Bethel itself. Obviously, as you can see, they're into spreading this drunkenness anointing, just like the others we've looked at. For years, Bill's wife, Benny Johnson, has been the senior co-pastor of Bethel alongside her husband. And this woman is into some truly weird new agey stuff, reflexology, and much more. Benny Johnson herself put out this picture She's lying, soaking on C.S. Lewis's grave. These are students from Bethel's School of Ministry, and they've been photographed around the world lying on the graves of dead Christian leaders. There's a teaching in some of these circles that you can soak up the anointing by lying on their graves. Here's Bill Johnson himself at the grave of the wife of Smith Wigglesworth. The famous healing evangelist. And that's the premise. But that's them in action. Not making this up. It sounds crazy. But this is the latest movement of God in the last days that you and I are missing out on. And because we actually reject it, we are just so immature. What? But let's continue on. Obviously, let's take a look. Is this biblical? No. Again, it's based on the idea that, listen, some individual had a spiritual calling, had a special anointing, okay, and they died, but therefore it's lying down in the ground, unused, being wasted. That's the premise, right? The theory is that God uses the Holy Spirit to anoint certain believers with a specific purpose, such as healing or prophecy. But when the person dies, direct quote, God's work is thwarted. What? Open your Bibles to Job 42. Let me give you just a couple passages. Can somebody stop God from doing what God wants to do? Rhymes with no, for those of you wondering. <laughs> Job 42. Are you kidding me? God's work is thwarted, and these guys have got to go down and rescue the Holy Spirit, <laughs> suck it back up so he can you know, keep going back to what he wanted to do. He just got sidetracked. That person just had to go and die on him. You know, this is crazy. But anyway, Job 42, right? Verses 1 and 2. I don't know how you get more plain than this, right? Job 42, when you get there, say moo. Hey, good. We got a consensus, right? Uh, it says this. Then Job replied to the Lord, "I know that you, God, can do how many things? All things. Now, how do you get around this? What? How many plans? No plan of yours, God, can be thwarted. None. So the whole premise is completely, obviously, unbiblical, and it attacks the sovereignty uh, of God. Right? Dare I say, even His power is omnipresent. Now, flip over to Isaiah 14. Let's just take a look at one more, and uh, Isaiah 14. 24 through 27, uh, is God just sitting there going, man, I sure hope somebody comes by and sucks up these graves because I sure would like to get some more stuff done. That servant of mine just, man, they caught me by surprise. They died and got buried. And, and we all know that dirt, you know, it, you know that it, it keeps the Holy Spirit from going anywhere. The power of dirt over God is amazing. It's just, yeah, whatever, right? Uh, Isaiah 14, uh, let's take a look at 24 through 27. Right, The Lord Almighty has sworn, surely I have planned God speaking, so it will be. And as I have purposed, so it will stand. I will crush the Assyrian in my land on my mountains, and I will trample him down. His yoke will be taken from my people and on his burden, uh, and his burden removed from their shoulders. This is the plan determined for the whole world. This is the hand stretched out over all nations. For the Lord Almighty has purposed, and who can what? Who can thwart him? His hand is stretched out, and who can turn it back? What's the answer? No one. He's God, right? But this is the whole premise that somehow God's just down there, especially, i.e., God, the Holy Spirit, and he's, 
help me, help me. Right? And somebody needs to come along and be a spiritual vacuum and save him from apparently the power of dirt. It's crazy. It's goofy. But, the, but again, the irony is this is supposed to be the latest movement of the spirit. And these are for those spiritual people, as Pastor Bobby brought out, pay $4,500 to learn classes how to suck this out of the ground. It's crazy. Right? But let's continue on. Nonetheless, they believe, listen, here's their words. The Holy Spirit is wasted, lying on the bones of these dead people. Isn't that unfortunate? And you just need to suck it out of the ground, right? And, and unable, listen, and unable to continue the calling. So again, the, the, somehow God's back, he's got his hands, right? The power of dirt. I don't think you realize what's in your backyard, Okay. Anyway, uh, but it's unrecovered anointing and is apparently available to anyone who would physically come to claim it. Okay, this quote superstitious practice is obviously blatantly unbiblical, spiritually dangerous, and tremendously misleading to uninformed believers. Now, again, shocker, you're starting to see a parallel here. Typically, when you see with these so-called movements of the spirit, the charismatic movement, it's not only not biblical, typically it comes out of new age comes out of Hinduism, or it comes out of the occult. Now, this whole idea that you can suck power off of another person comes straight out of the occult, right? In fact, I'm going to share with you the whole premise of an occult teaching, right, that you, uh, from a, you can suck the life out of a person who's died, and you can get their power, right? This was brought out in a movie, uh, I don't know, was, was this in the 90s, or uh, Highlander? Remember the Highlander series? The guy with this, you know, he go around, they're, they're immortal people, and they chop the heads off, and, and that was the game, you know, not only, not only get your head chopped off, that's, that kind of ruins your day. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's kind of hard to go to the buffet after that, but anyway, let's close in prayer. No, but anyway, you get your head chopped off, but what happened? You get the head chopped off, what happened? If you ever saw the movies, which I'm not necessarily recommending, what? <laughs> Sucks the power of the guy, and you keep moving on. The guy who wins, you know, cuts the most heads off, he gets the most... Anyway, so here's a scene from that, right? This is the occult, folks. Watch this. It's the same premise as grave sucking. Too bad, though, he didn't have to go through all that. He could have just kept the sword down. He could have just found a grave and sucked it all up. It's the same premise, folks. That's how they occult, right? That through a dead person, you can get their life force, whatever terminology you want. In the movie, of course, they call it the quickening, and that's uh, you beheaded a character known as the immortal, and it produces a powerful energy release uh, from their body, and, quote, all the power and knowledge of the other person was now sucked into the other person. How's that any different? Than grave sucking. That's coming out of the occult. So but again, what, what's the premise? You just slap Christianese on it, and somehow it makes it Christian. Completely unbiblical. All power, by the way, comes from God, not from grave sites, in case you're wondering. Okay. And our individual life's purpose is given by God Himself. Again, it goes back to the gifts. Who gives the gifts? How many times did we deal with that in the section here on spiritual gifts? The Holy Spirit as He wills. So God is the one who determines your calling. God is the one. And by the way, why would you reject that? As if God doesn't know what he's doing? As if God, if he calls you to do something, he's not going to gift you to do it? And basically the premise is, well, that's not good enough. I'm not satisfied with what I'm experiencing now. I need to go get a new calling and suck the life out of a dead person. I like what they were doing. I want to do the same thing. That's kind of an attack on God's character as well, isn't it? But that's the premise, right? Uh, another believer's empowerment cannot be sucked out or grabbed from a corpse. I mean, how far do you push this and you get into necromancy? Which again, Deuteronomy 18, we see many different times, uh, God obviously forbids, okay? Uh, to ascribe spiritual power to the bones of the dead, no matter how godly the deceased was, is idolatry. Oh, and by the way, the Holy Spirit resides in every believer, not just, quote, anointed saints. Did you realize that? Let me just show you one passage, 1 John chapter 2, turn there. Okay, 1 John chapter 2. And uh, if you find Revelation, what do you do? Hang it up there. 
1 John chapter 2, just one verse, but it's very blatant and clear. We've already dealt with the issue, again, back in the spiritual gifts as you turn there, that the moment that we're saved, we're indwelt with the Holy Spirit. And at that point, uh, he's the one that gifts you, right? But that's our anointing. That, that happens to every Christian, right, at salvation. But here's what 1 John says, right? Uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 20, but you, Christian, you what? You could have an anointing, but you're really lacking an anointing. You need a better anointing, and you need to find a dead person's grave and suck it up. Oh, I'm sorry, wrong translation. Uh, you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. You already got an anointing. Every Christian has an anointing. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is our anointing. We all have the Holy Spirit if you're a born-again Christian, right? So this whole idea that I need to get more of the Holy Spirit, again, is unbiblical. I need a better anointing, more anointing. That's not at all the biblical premise, again, but again, so that's what they believe in this whole uh, lie called grave sucking. All believers are already anointed, chosen for a specific purpose, furthering God's kingdom. Uh, if you want to know your purpose from God, you get on your knees, you don't go to a grave, right, and find out what he's called you. We walk by faith, not by sight, not by, quote, I love this, not by sucking. <laughs> Going around, okay, right. And oh, by the way, the Holy Spirit cannot be trapped by the death of a human being. Did you realize that? He's gone. Not much of a God if it's like, oh, man, I had it going good, man. I created this universe, but that person that I indwelt, they went up and died on me. Oh, it's ruined. I ain't much of a God. Okay, but that's the premise, right? And the teaching of grave sucking objectifies the Holy Spirit and limits his power to certain locales. Again, God, one of his attributes, he's not all just all-powerful. He's not just all-knowing. He's what? He's omnipresent. He's everywhere present, right? So he can be at anywhere at any time. You know, as the psalmist says, where can I go? I can go up here. God's there. You go down here in the depths. He's there. He's everywhere. But apparently, dirt contains him in these little bubbles with dead people. That's that dirt thing. It's a power of dirt, Pastor Tom. I don't know. It's crazy. Right? Now, they'll say, oh, no, no. And once again, they'll say, because when you start bringing this out, you go, man, that's not biblical. You can't find that in the Bible. They always try to twist a verse. And here's one of the verses that they twist. Oh, no, no. This is a biblical practice. And it comes out of 2 Kings 13, 21, if you guys recall that. And uh, it's where a, quote, pay attention, a dead man is thrown into an open grave, and when his body touches the bones of Elisha, the man is resurrected. Got it? That's what the Bible says. And it does record that. And it was kind of a miraculous event. Okay? And, uh, but, however, if you take a look at the passage, obviously there's a major difference between the biblical event and this modern concept of grave sucking, namely, uh, the recipient of the power was a dead guy. <laughs> These people, I'm assuming, that are walking around aren't dead, right? Okay, number one. Number two, in the context of that event, nobody was seeking a mantle or a special anointing. There's none of that in that verse, right? And number three, God simply chose to perform a resurrection of a dead guy in memory of the prophet, not transfer, supposedly, some spiritual anointing to people who are alive. Completely polar opposite, completely unbiblical, and that's supposed to be a major text that they uh, uh, justify. Grave sucking is obviously also a misunderstanding because remember they call it mantle grabbing, right? And uh, the, the, the mantle or the cloak that the prophets, oh, by the way, are the prophets in function today? As we saw repeatedly again, no, okay? You want a new word from God? You don't need a new word from God. The prophets gave us the Old Testament, right? And then the apostles, okay, which is why, again, the apostles and prophets are not in function today, not because we're old fuddy-duddies. It's because you have the Old Testament, New Testament. It's already verified, already done. We got it all. You don't need a new, new word from God. That's what I say to all people. Oh, no, I got a new word from God. God told me to tell you, prophet, so-and-so, prophetess. Really? Then you need to be writing a new New Testament, which would be blasphemous, but that's your premise. Why don't we have it? Because we don't need it. That's why some of the gifts were permanent. Some is still in function today, but some are temporary. We don't need them, okay? But with that, but anyway, so the, 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 it, it's still, this whole passage that they bring up is completely unbiblical. It's not even what it says. But again, it, this is even taking place back when the prophets were in function, which are not in function for today, right? Uh, number one. But even then, the mantle or the cloak of the prophets was symbolic of their sign of their calling from God. Did the cloak give the prophet his power? 
No, it was symbolic. Now, let me demonstrate that for you. Elijah, of course, passed on his mantle to his protege, Elisha. And the Bible shows that Elijah used his cloak as a symbol of his ministry and authority. And you think, well, that's just a convenient escapism to try to avoid this grave sucking. No, it's not. The Bible does this all the time with a lot of symbolism. Let me give you a, uh, uh, a couple examples. Uh, does baptism save us? Now, does the Bible talk about baptism? Of course. What is baptism? It's symbolic of the act of salvation, right? That at what we were identify with the, the burial and death of Jesus Christ. We're cleansed from our sins and we're raised to a new life to live for him. That's all symbolic. That doesn't determine your salvation. Ask the thief on the cross. How much time did he have to get baptized? It's symbolic. Communion. Are we saved by communion? No, that's, that's something we do in remembrance of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. It's not the literal body, not the literal blood. We do that in remembrance, right? Let's give you more specific because this is supposed to be a transfer of power, right? The mantle. No, it's just a cloak. It was symbolic. That's all it was. Right? Just this Sunday, it was kind of interesting, we just uh, dealt with this. Just this Sunday, we laid hands on Bobby to become Pastor Bobby. And the moment we did, I don't know if you guys saw the video, you should slow it down in slow-mo. There was electricity flowing through my fingers, and Ron, Ron had lightning bolts coming out of his nostrils. And the next thing you know, Bobby glowed with a supernatural glow, and a cape appeared with a giant bee. He became a pastor. We transferred. No, laying on hands is what? It's symbolic. It's a symbolic act that we're believing that God is now calling him to be a pastor and God's given him that authority, right? Same thing with the mantle, right? It's not something, it's just, it's a cloak. It's symbolic, right? So you get that one wrong. After Elijah was translated into heaven, Elisha picked up the mantle, became Israel's new prophet. The passing of the mantle was a symbolic act. The physical object has no inherent power. Why? Because who gives us power? God, right? Not a gravesite, not a dead person. God does. The grave-sucking phenomenon, obviously, this, we're dealing with Bethel in Reading, of course, and they got a bunch of other practices that we're just getting started, okay? And obviously, it's led many people straight. Now, <clears throat> they're not the only ones. In fact, I don't know who got it from who. And uh, be interested to see who first started this. Maybe they worked together. I don't know. But there's another person who's big on this grave sucking that somehow he got power from it. And it rhymes with Benny Hinn. Guess who it is? Oh, it's Benny Hinn. You guys are awesome. Wow. Must be reading my mind. But listen to what he said. He believes that he got some of his power, quote unquote, okay, from dead people. Two of them. Let me, and this is a quote. Benny Hinn claims he felt the anointing of mystic Amy Simple McPherson's grave. Now, we'll get into this, Lord willing, eventually, into, uh, for still alive and still here, the rapture hasn't happened, uh, with the history of the charismatic movement. But Amy Simple uh, uh, McPherson, she was a big uh, forerunner. But he went to her gravesite, and this is a direct quote from Benny Hinn, quote, I felt a terrific anointing when I was there. Uh, she's dead. Okay, whatever. He said, I actually hear this, he says, I trembled when I visited Amy's tomb. I was shaking all over. God's power came all over me. I believe the anointing has, quote, lingered over Amy's body. I know this may be shocking to you, but you're going to feel the anointing at Amy's tomb. It's incredible. What? Then he goes on and he talks about another person. He says, also at Catherine's. Who's Catherine? Again, we're going to get into this, Lord, one later. Catherine Kuhlman. Now, if you don't know where did Abini Hing come from, he got his tricks and tools of the trade, wink, wink, from Catherine Kuhlman. He was like the protege. But anyway, so he talks about her gravesite. And he says this, it's amazing too. I've heard of people healed when they visited her tomb. They were totally healed by God's power. You say, well, what a crazy thing. He says, brother, there's things we'll never understand. Are you hearing me? No, because it's unbiblical. Mr. Hen, okay. You're not going to get power from dead people. Power comes from God. But it's the same thing, folks. People are doing this. But again, this is supposed to be a new movement of God. So that's an aberrant behavior. Now, the next one we're going to take a look at. That's right. You and I, we're missing out on this. Because we are not open to this amazing movement of the Spirit of God in the last days. We are missing out on angel feathers. Oh, see, you laugh. But this is a major, comforting, incredible thing that we're missing on. I mean, well, it's angels. Angels are good, so this has got to be from God. 
No, not at all. Open your Bibles, Revelation 13, man. This, I am convinced, as we continue to even move forward, not only with slaying the Spirit, drunk in the Spirit, now uh, grave-sucking, all this other stuff, and now angel feathers, and, and the next ones we're going to move into. This is the same kind of baloney, people getting away from the Word of God. They're seeking signs and wonders. And you know what? That's going to come in handy for, guess who? The Antichrist and the false prophet, because they're going to appear on the scenes. And you think angel feathers are cool? You ain't seen nothing yet. But you got a whole society that's being conditioned of, quote, religious people. I'm not saying they're Christians necessarily. I don't know their heart. But, man, when this guy shows up, if you, if you fell for angel feathers and grave sucking, woo-wee, you're going to eat this up. And that's what's sad, right? But Revelation 13, let's take a look at uh, what the uh, false prophet and the Antichrist is going to appear on the scene. But Revelation 13, uh, verse 11 says this, Then I saw another beast coming out of the earth. He had two horns. This is the false prophet. He had two horns like a lamb, but he spoke like a dragon, dragon defined by Satan. This guy's inspired by Satan too, okay? He exercised all the authority of the first beast, the Antichrist, on his behalf, and he made the inhabitants and uh, he made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast or the Antichrist, whose fatal wound had been healed. And he, the false prophet, performed great and miraculous signs. He even what? He caused fire to come down from heaven to earth in full view of men. And because of these signs, he was given power to do on behalf of the first beast. He what? He deceives a bunch of baloney, the inhabitants of the earth. And, of course, he tells them to set up an image. Now you got to worship the beast, right? That's like, wow, this is amazing. Did you see that? What came from the sky? Well, that's another thing that's going on. These guys are saying, did you see that? We were just singing and praising God, supposedly, wink, wink. And out of nowhere... Here comes some feathers. It's got to be from angels. Really? Here's just a couple examples. Let's take a look. I just thought I would share with you the glory, some of these signs and wonders that have been happening in my life and happening at this recent conference that I was at where there was 20,000 youth praising and worshiping Yeshua, Jesus, and giving Yahweh the glory that he deserves. So I'm just going to go ahead and show you some of these angel feathers here. And I pray that your faith will be increased by these signs and wonders, that if you have any doubt or unbelief in the power of God that that would be removed so the first angel feather here I'm going to show you is a brown one and it has speckles on it. it's white with brown speckles almost like a like a cow but it's a feather you can kind of, you can see that it's very unique there's no bird on the planet that I know of I challenge anyone to tell me what bird this would be and you know that's evil that was my editing job yeah i took up his challenge there ain't no bird on the planet are you kidding me dude that's a chicken feather right yeah and i'm sure when they were singing praise that lady didn't have nothing in her pocket oh look 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 the angel feather This is the gum of Noah. <laughs> See how it's square? That's how the ark was shaped. Right here. This is from God. This, yeah, whatever. You got to be kidding me. Are you serious? But this, that's nothing. Oh, see, we're missing out on this incredible movement of God. How dare you resist, angel? What a bunch of chicanery. It's a bunch of baloney, right? Okay? But it's not only a bunch of baloney. But it's like, why do they keep picking on these? Th Did you know where this comes from? This is my old stomping grounds. This is baloney. Angel stuff. This comes out of New Age. Right? I'm telling you, there's a carbon copy thing. All they've done is take a new age, Hinduism, or the occult, whether they realize it or not, and they slap Christianese on it. It's supposed to be a movement of the Spirit of God. Now, let me, this is from a new age website, and it's not just feathers. Basically, what they teach is anytime you find feathers, those aren't just feathers of a bird, those are angel feathers. 
And they, they're all different. Every color has a different meaning. This is flat out, straight out of New Age, right? But angels, they say, are, are beings of pure light and love. This is a New Age, a New Age source. And since most people aren't regularly high enough of a spiritual vibration, it's kind of the same premise, right? You're, just, you're not a spirit, open to the Spirit of God like me. Well, that's what New Age teaches, right? This, this hierarchy, right? That's not what God says. But anyway, because most people aren't regularly high enough vibration spiritually to see angels. So angels help you out. They send a signal that they were there watching over you. This is New Age. And you know what they do? They leave feathers behind. This is New Age, right? Now, and everyone has a different meaning, apparently. White feathers are a sign that angels are not only with you, but they're supporting you from the, quote, spirit. Of course, their version of the spirit, as we saw in our New Age study for 12 weeks, uh, is much different. But if you find a pink feather, that is a reminder of the unconditional love of your angels watching over you. If it's a red feather, it signifies life force or energy or courage. Orange feathers carries messages of creativity and attract success. If it's yellow feathers, my notes say that's from chicken and that's from the devil. Okay, but New Age says uh, it's a reminder, uh, reminder to be cheerful and lighthearted. If you find a green feather, it signifies, obviously, money and abundance, right? It makes sense. Uh, blue feathers are calming and peaceful energy. Gray feathers recall you to uh, peace. Brown feathers has about your stability in your home life, or, you know, whatever. Uh, black feathers are a reminder of the protection from your a uh, angels. Feathers that are purple carry messages of deep spirituality and the opening of, quote, psychic and spiritual you will be able to see things that other people can't see. What does that sound like? Same kind of thing. It's a new age mindset. And again, if you, uh, oh, and it's like the guy says, it wasn't just white. It, it, it was white and brown, like from a cow. Yeah, chickens, yeah. But again, it was a combo. And again, there's a whole other aspect that that was just single colors. They even mentioned, you know, feathers, if they're black and white, then that means important changes are soon to unfold. The whole baloney's out of new age. But again, you, you Christianize it with some Christianese and then put the peer pressure in there. <gasps> what are you trying to do? Resist the Spirit of God in the last days? This is a miracle. No, it's not. It's a bunch of baloney. Oh, and by the way, how did that help you grow up and become a disciple of Jesus, a disciplined learner? I don't know about you, but me personally, the more I get in the Word, because you're going to have challenges. Anybody have challenges? Raise your hand. All right. Those of you who didn't raise your hand, you're a liar. Okay, because we're all going to have challenges, right? That's what Jesus said. You're going to be persecuted. You're going to be hated, right? I, I take heart. I've overcome the world. Uh, you know, we're not in heaven yet. Heaven comes later. It's, it's going to be rough down here, especially if you live for Jesus, amen? Right? But what comforts me in those challenges is the Word of God. What goes through your mind? The more you put the Word of God, this is what people are missing out on. I'm going to hear just a poke in the eye. It's just you're, be, you're missing out. When tough times come, what do you do? You quote the Word of God. It goes to your brain. And that's what the peace. The Bible says, right, Philippians 4 says, whatever is right, excellent, praiseworthy, trustworthy, admirable, true, i.e., in God's Word, that's what's right and trustworthy, admirable, true. When that happens, when that's going through your brain, think on those things. What? The peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. Why? Because that's where our comfort comes from. If you're going without lack, what do you say? Hey, God, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or, or the children begging for bread. God will supply all my needs through Jesus Christ. Oh, no, there's something fearful. Hey, God will keep us under the feather of his wings. He will shelter us. You know, he's our shield. He's our, our fortress, our high tower, our strong. What, what brings you the peace, the comfort in your hard time? I tell you what, I was at that meeting and I, this lady came up with some angel feathers. And I feel so peaceful right now. No, you don't understand. I was having a hard time, but I went to this graveyard. And I started sucking up this. <laughs> that, no! And that's what's sad. People are being led away. You'll never become a disciple of Christ because you're being led away from the Word. You're into the signs and wonders and signs and wonders. And excuse me. It's, oh, and by the way, don't forget the lost are watching this. Even they know better. Now let's get into the fifth one. The fifth one, uh, Pastor Bobby dealt with this also too. Gold, dare I say, even jewelry manifestations. Because we all know that God wants every single one of us to be rich. No, that's not true, but that's what they say. Oh, and by the way, that lie is, again, something that false teachers are going to use as a tool to dupe people. Again, open your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2, let's take a look at that warning from God about what's going to appear on the scene the last days. 2 Peter chapter 2, if you find 1 Peter, what do you do? Yep. Hang right, 2 Peter chapter 2. 
And uh, verse 1 through 3, here's what Peter warns about. And uh, here's what he says. But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be, speaking to the church, there will be what? False teachers among you. Who's you? The church. So there's going to be false teachers coming into the church. And here's what he says. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies. Dare I say grave sucking and all the other stuff we're looking at. Right? Even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them. Right? Bringing swift destruction upon them. Many. Oh, isn't that sad? Not a few. Only a fringe. Many. Many will follow their shameful ways and bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their what? Here's their motive. Greed. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with what? Stories they made up. Don't you guys realize this is the gum of Noah? And you come up here and you give me an offering, and I'll tell you, you could have the anointing of this gum. How's that any different than like you come to my conference, oh, you got to pay. Oh, and, and nothing's going to happen until we sing for a while and then you give some money in the plate. That's greed, folks. And then people have this spiritual experience. Because some lady just happened to go, angel feathers. Like that wasn't set up, right? But that's what he says. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you. They're ripping you off with stories they made up. Hey, their condemnation, God sees the whole thing, has been long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. You don't want to be around those folks. God's going to punish them. Don't want to be a part of that camp. Okay. But anyway, this is the thing. Greed, right? I'm going to, it's a compilation, had to put them all together, okay? This is supposedly the miracle of people getting, all of a sudden, they're just supposedly worshiping Jesus, and they get gold teeth. Yeah, and not just gold teeth, but gold glitter falls from the sky, gold dust. Oh, but that's not enough. Apparently, we need even more cash than that. Jewels, precious jewels. Just like jewels found on the Old Testament high priest's breastplate. Oh, that's not even enough. Whether you saw it or not, an angel showed up. And it left behind diamond dust. <laughs> not making it up. Watch this. Earlier this evening, some very unusual things took place here at the Toronto Airport Christian Fellowship. But let me explain a little bit of background to this. A few short weeks ago, John and Carol Arna traveled to South Africa, where they conducted some meetings in one of the major cities of that nation. While they were there conducting meetings, a very unusual display of God's miraculous power took place. There were individuals who were in that specific meeting that actually received gold fillings in their teeth from God while they were there in the meetings. Show me, will you? <laughs> You see it? Can you see that on the camera there? Open a little wider. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if they, they, they can see your mouth open at least, but I don't know if they could. Now that's the only gold one you had. Are you absolutely sure you didn't have gold before? I called my husband last night because I was so... Yeah, if I had done it, I wanted to make sure, I wanted to have integrity with this, so I, I checked and he said, you never had a gold tooth. conference we just uh, were worshiping and as we I like I turned around from the fire tunnel and I was like standing in this cloud of like gold dust that was like falling from the sky and so I grabbed Gail who was standing next to me and I was like Gail it's raining gold dust and she started freaking out and then um, Sherry Downs was right across from me in the fire tunnel and so I was like Sherry gold dust and then as more and more people saw that it was raining gold dust in this little pocket of the corner of the church everyone just started pointing and screaming and then it, so we were looking up and it was like um, it was like somebody standing way high above us like probably 15 feet above us and it was like it was like somebody standing up there with uh, with glitter or something and just throwing it down 
and it was like clouds of gold dust and it was just raining down on us. A small church in the heart of San Juan, Puerto Rico has reported the appearance of thousands of gemstones in its sanctuary. Where are these stones coming from? Are they real? And yes, those are the ones that fell around August just before... Yeah. Well, those are just exactly like the, the, 12, the 12 stones of the Ephod, the tribes of Israel. That, okay, that is uh, diamond dust. Alright? It's one angel. Well, it, it had to be. I mean, unfortunately, the angel uh, got too close to a deep fryer. He got soaked in oil. He appeared. He didn't have time to take a shower because angels are messengers from God, right? And they, when he says go, you better go. I don't care if you had a shower or not, right? And he showed up, and unfortunately, the oil got all over the place. And by the way, I don't know if he's got flaky skin. Maybe it's made of diamonds. And he went like this, and is on. Are you, what? Name one verse in all the scripture that justifies any of that baloney. Except I will call it the scripture we just read. You know what this is? You know, what's the whole basis of this, Right? First of all, excuse me, I can get those same jewels of Chuck E. Cheese for a quarter and that little, that claw. Hey, for one token, man, you're guaranteed to get one. Okay. <laughs> Give me a break, right? As if this wasn't staged in the first place, right? But anyway, well, what's the phrase? Uh, greed. Everything, right? It wasn't that the angel came and left us an anointed pillow. No, it's diamond dust, right? It wasn't we were just there and, and there was this uh, wonderful... Uh, effervescent smell of God's wonderful... No, it was gold. It's all greed, folks. has nothing to do with God. And it's a bunch of baloney. Is it possible for this to happen? No. Well, I mean, it can, but I really think this is what's going on here. It's a bunch of chicanery. How do I know? Because we've got it on tape. Somebody who was involved in this, they admit her. Admit it. And this is what's ironic. You know, that, that guy... That one guy is, hey, come on here, Sherry Goldberg, right? What was the term that he said? It was almost like somebody threw glitter. Guess what? That's exactly what they do. Watch this. There is a large church in Miami named El Rey Jesus, King Jesus Church, pastored by a guy named Guillermo Maldonado. Now, Guillermo Maldonado is the Bill Johnson of Miami. Okay. Okay. And he and Bill Johnson are good friends. Mm. Long story short, there was a lady who came to the conference I was teaching. She came up to me. She introduced herself. She said, I used to be in El Rey Jesus. And I said, oh, really? No, she said, oh, yeah. She said, I was high up in it. She said, my husband is still in it. Maybe it's too much. I hope I don't get her in trouble. But her husband is still in it. She got saved, genuinely saved, converted, left it, as you would expect a Christian to do, left the church. And I was talking about some of the manifestations in Maldonado's church, Bill Johnson. Well, anyway, she came up to me. She said, Justin, you know how Maldonado's church has the gold dust? And I said, yeah. She said, that was my job. She said, I was tasked, her and a friend of hers, we were told to go upstairs with canisters of, you can't make this stuff up, with canisters of finely, a uh, real fine gold glitter of sorts. And Hobby she said, Lobby glitter. Yeah. And she said, it was our job to dump it into the ventilation system. And of course, it blew out over the whole congregation. And people thought that that was the presence, the of, presence God. of God. What a bunch of baloney. Right? And again, what's the whole thing? It's based on what? Greed which is what Peter warned about what happened in the last days. And they're going to come into the church. And, and what did he say? What was the word there? This is what's so sad. Many will fall for it. Now, again, that's what tells you how many people are getting away from the Scripture because you're going like, who could fall for it? But what's our impetus? Why is our name Sunrise Experience Church? No, it's not. It's Sunrise 
Bible church. What's our impetus? Right, because the Bible, right? We teach the Bible, all the Bible, right? That's why we'll talk about all things. We'll talk about prophecy. We'll talk about God's love. We'll talk about heaven. We'll talk about hell. We'll talk about sin. We'll talk about forgiveness. Because we'll talk... it's all in the Bible. But when you get into the Bible and you teach the Bible, you can't fall for that. But the fact that so many are falling for that, what's that tell you? Somebody ain't teaching the Bible. And we're talking churches, folks, okay, is what's going on. We got time, hopefully, just for uh, one more. Let me tell you this. The Bible says and warns in the last days that evildoers will do the work of Satan with counterfeit power signs uh, and miracles. Jesus warns that false messiahs and false prophets will appear to perform signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. God can perform miracles, but he ain't going to be doing it through plastic glitter. Hello. Okay. Now, the last one, again, that we're going to deal with real quick here is something they call the glory cloud. Right? And you can't just say glory. You got to say glory. Let's say that. It's like the spirit of Elvis is all over you. Glory. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Right? Glory cloud, right? right? Now, here's an example of what's supposed to be a glory cloud. First of all, I'm going, that ain't no cloud, and there ain't nothing glorious about it. You need to clean your vents again. But here it is, supposedly a glory cloud. I hope you didn't miss it. The glory cloud. First of all, was there a cloud there? That's the prime example. There ain't no cloud. That's a bunch of flex, right? How many times have you ever cleaned your house, right? Men, this is a... How many times has your wife ever cleaned the house, right? <laughs> I got to pull you in because you're going like, what are you talking about? You lost me on this illustration. <laughs> but the good preacher, Pastor Bobby, brings them all in, right? With the good... So you, then you're sitting there, right, in bed, right, after the wife dusted everything, whatever, and then you, you open up the shades and let some sunlight in, and what do you see flying around? <laughs> right? And then you say, I thought you cleaned the house. Then you go for counseling and all that stuff. You know, you know the routine. <laughs> but anyway, it's like, well, are you, that's, first of all, it wasn't even a cloud. It just looked like a bunch of dust particles. Oh, and even if it was some sort of particles, guess who was in the vents again? Crazy. But again, this is their premise, supposed to be a glory cloud. In fact, they even say that the reason why this shows up, quote, some charismatic Pentecostal pastors claim that the cloud has so enveloped them before preaching uh, that this is, this is what anoints them for preaching. So until these particles, which is supposed to somehow be a cloud at the same time, starts falling down, they ain't really preaching. I mean, that's the premise with all this stuff. It's like, well, he's preaching now because the vents are dirty. It's crazy, right? And oh, by the way, the term glory cloud, specifically that phrase, guess what? That's nowhere in the scripture, right? God does appear uh, in a cloud, right? His glory did come into a temple, but the phrase specifically glory cloud, it's nowhere even in the Bible. So once again, you're not even out there. And the proof text that they, again, want to try to bring up, oh, no, it's in the Bible. Again, you're dealing with Old Testament issues, right? Not a New Testament uh, example of God. Uh, manifesting himself. Now, again, as we get ready to close, once again, you're seeing the theme. Every single one of these, okay, and there's, we're still, unfortunately, got more to go. Every single one of these, you're starting to see a pattern. They, they say it's Christian, they say it's biblical, and it's not. And we can demonstrate that. Logically, certainly, biblically, etc. But carbon copy, it's either coming out of New Age, Hinduism, or the cult, right? And so, again, this whole idea of just you get some special anointing that could be transferred to somebody or sucked out of a dead body or these angel feathers or some glory cloud or some sprink, you can sprinkle some dust and things of that nature or, or gold and precious jewels and all. Do you know who's big on all that stuff? Hindus. Hindu gurus. Remember we saw, again, that went back with slaying the spirit when... Supposedly somebody or Benny Hinn comes up and he, he puts his hand on your forehead and you receive power and you fall backwards. We saw that that's what the Hindu gurus, remember? Remember it's called Shakti Pot? The power of the pot, the touch, the touch. Same thing, they just ripped it off and Christianized it from the Hindus. 
Well, this whole aspect of looking for secret signs and I found something appeared in my pocket or this, that's old-fashioned Hinduism. All of this is Hinduism, folks. Let me give you one example. Let's take a look. With its beard-draped yogis and time-worn temples, India has long been a magnet for spiritual seekers of every stripe, from the beach to the Beatles to the eat, pray, love crowd. But what should we make of the country's seemingly endless supply of casual miracle workers and self-proclaimed deities, many of whom have large and faithful followings? Clarissa Ward reports tonight for our series, Faith Matters. India, it's a land of gurus and godmen, swamis and saints, where stories of miracles seem almost commonplace. Yogis who lie in roaring fires, Sufi shrines that banish bad spirits, and Hindu holy men who go years without food or water. Hundreds here claim to be living gods and goddesses, with miraculous powers and thousands of followers to prove it. We traveled across this mystical land in search of miracles. First stop, Gujarat, home to 82-year-old Swami Prahlad Jani, who claims not to have eaten a bite of food or drunk a drop of water in more than 70 years. He explains that when he was just 11 years old, a goddess touched his tongue, ridding him of the need for food and water. On a tour of the cave where he lives, which is really more like a comfortable studio apartment, something unexpected catches my eye. What's, what's in the fridge? No fridge. Yes. What's no. inside? Can inside, I see? No. He in the only water to wash the mouth. Ah. It seems strange for a man who does not eat or drink to keep a fridge in his room. But not to Sanal Edamaruku, an outspoken atheist and head of the Indian Rationalists Association. He recently had a showdown on live TV with a Swami who claimed he could kill him by uttering mantras. Four hours later, Edamaruku was still smiling. None of these people have any special capacity, any special thing, and most of these people who are claiming that they are miracle men or holy men or saints are corn men. He draws on the example of Satya Sai Baba, a guru whose followers number in the millions spanning all corners of the globe. He is famous for materializing jewelry and holy ash from thin air. But recent videos posted on YouTube appear to show that the acts are simply sleight of hand. And what's he holding up? Gold. He does jewelry. He does the ash thing too. Nothing new. Right? This is not some new movement of the Spirit of God in the last days that you and I are resisting. This is old-fashioned Hinduism, folks. They've been doing it for a long time. And eventually, Lord willing, what, that's why it's called the untold history of the charismatic movement. We're going to see that the very founders were engrossed in all three of those. And that's why you see this consistent parallel throughout their aberrant behavior. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries. And I hope you were blessed with this study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things that the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death? In other words, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and be separated from God for all eternity. This is the great cosmic dilemma. God who is holy and we are not, how can we have a relationship with Him? The two will never mix. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this, even though God already knows He's God. And so God, out of love, gave us something called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were not something to just memorize or stick on your wall or give the appearance of being a religious person. The Ten Commandments were God's divine x-ray, if you will, into our heart and soul to reveal this truth that we need to admit. And that is this, that God is holy and that we are not. We are disqualified for heaven. So let's take a look at that divine x-ray that God's trying to get us to realize. Uh, the, the Ten Commandments, the, the ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That's lying. Okay. How many guys have ever told a lie? Raise your hand. Okay. Well, if you didn't raise your hand, you just did. You just told a lie because we've all done that. Well, that makes us a liar. The, another Ten Commandments says that you shall not steal. Don't ever take anything without permission. How many of you guys uh, have ever done that? Well, you guys already said you're a bunch of liars. All of our hands should have went up on that one. And for being honest, God already knows. Folks, we've all taken something. We've stolen something. 
right? That makes us a thief. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. He's not just holy, even His name is holy. Hey, folks, let's be honest. If you can believe it, even the name of Jesus Christ uh, has been turned into a common cuss word. Well, the Bible says that's a sin of blasphemy. Now we're a, a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus said, here's His standard. Uh, even if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you committed adultery in your heart. Wow, so now we're an adulterer. The Bible says you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? Again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred, wishing somebody was dead, okay, that, that's the same thing. Uh, it's akin to the sin of murder. It's just you pulled the trigger in your heart, but God sees the heart. Hey, folks, that's just five out of ten. How are you doing? You still think you're going to get to heaven on your own? You still think that you're qualified, that you're holy like God, and you could bridge the gap and have a relationship with Him forever? I don't think so. I mean, what did we just see? You're going to stand before God, and so am I. We all are. And we're going to have to give an account for who we are. Hey, hey, God, let me in. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a liar. I, I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer. I'm an adulterer. I'm a murderer. And the Scripture is very clear, folks. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're in trouble. But folks, here's the good news. The Bible says that if we would just admit that, that's the first step. To admit that God is holy, that I'm not, I'm disqualified for heaven, I need a Savior. If we would admit that and then ask for the Savior to save us. That, that's what God was doing with Jesus. God gave us His Son, Jesus Christ. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be completely forgiven of everything we've ever done and be made holy through Jesus so that we can now have a relationship with God both here and now and forever in heaven. We can become qualified. The word that the Bible uses is a word called pardon. That God is willing to pardon us of all of our sins and crimes that we've committed against Him and disqualified us, that disqualified us for heaven. Right? And we've actually seen this work in real life. Uh, for instance, uh, there's been people who have committed crimes, gone to court, the gavel's been passed, the judges said, hey, listen, we all know you're guilty, uh, you even admit you're guilty, and uh, for your crimes, you're going to not just jail, you're going to uh, await in jail to go to the death penalty. And did you know that there actually is a way that somebody could get off of death row? It's called a pardon. The one in the authority, the governor, can grant what's called a pardon for that person's crimes, and they literally can go free. Not because of something they did, because the deeds are already done, you can't undo it. Not because of they tried to clean up their act while they were stuck in the jail cell, because that doesn't change anything. But simply out of mercy, the person who has the authority can give them a pardon, and they can go free. And did you know it's actually on historical record that there have been people who have been granted a pardon from the death penalty, and they've refused to take it. And so, even though the offer was there to be set free, they themselves still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, in a nutshell, that's what God's doing every single day with all of us this side of heaven. While you still have breath, you still have an opportunity to receive God's pardon. He's willing to forgive you of all your sins if you would just receive His pardon through Jesus Christ. Again, that's what he was doing on the cross. The cross was the death penalty of the day. But since we weren't there, and since we can't earn it, it's a gift from God, you have to receive that by faith. Reach out even today from your own spiritual jail cell, if you will, and say yes to Jesus and God's pardon so that you can be set free and go to heaven. The Bible says that if you confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you will be saved. Hey folks, if that's you, don't delay. You may not even have tomorrow. Today could be your last day. Please accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Confess with your mouth He is Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the grave and the Bible says you will be saved. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries. If there's anything that we could do for you, our information and, and number will come up here shortly. And please don't hesitate to contact us. But remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.